Hello and welcome to the Faculty Podcast, covering the latest breakthroughs, research, news and insight delivered by the world's leading academic and industry figures. This is a challenge to the European Union, to the European idea. There wasn't any any real European perspective. When you look at the, the evidence we had on new COVID cases, they were typically you know, shown at the level of nations, right? And then for each state separately, um, you know, you do have regional subnational evidence. Um, but there was nowhere a place to actually see how it all hangs together, how maybe northern Italy is related to Austria and to Bavaria, and, you know, how maybe this whole thing is developing along the Rhine Valley. All these things were nowhere visible, right? And then on top of that came this introduction of border controls, where we thought, okay, now this is really um, sort of the return of the nation state, uh, apparently because the European Union isn't able to deal with this, right? And then my intuition, at least, was, well, these border controls are totally ad hoc, and they probably didn't help, right? They were probably harmful, but the benefits were not obvious. So we, we, we actually formed this team from, from Kalle Kappner and Matthias Eckert and started to, 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 to work on this and, and try to figure out whether these border controls did really help to, to contain the spread and also to, to actually see what's happening, you know, on, on a European level. Well, I think it's a very interesting topic because we do not know really much about COVID-19 or the spread of COVID-19 now. And it's a still ongoing process to get some good hypothesis of how it works and to underpin with, with a good statistical model and to get some really good output of the model is very exciting. So it was a very exciting topic because we do not know if there is something like a border effect or an effect of mask wearing or something. So this is a very high topic research and very vivid area of research. So it's very important to contribute to this field. We started to do then was to collect from um, a total of 18 national agencies. Um, so that was a bit of work to, to put that all together. Um, the main point here was really to get something at a regional level, right? So we have information uh, uh, on, on 213 European regions at a daily frequency, right? Um, so that's, that's the first step in order to actually say something about the, 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 the spatial nature of, 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 of this disease and how it spreads, right? Um, and then when it comes to methods, um, a very important thing is somehow find a way to take into account that not only borders are, are, are being controlled or even closed, but at the same time, there's a host of other measures, right? So uh, all type of, of, of restrictions for public life, school closures and all that is also happening. So we, we, we needed to find an approach uh, that can distinguish a potential effect from closing a border on the spread of the disease from all these other measures. And then what we, what we, what we did was we interpreted our, our data as sort of the account model from daily new cases in, in, in these regions over time. Um, and said, okay, now let's let's have a 
sort of a region fix effect, but just means there's something that's happening at the region we don't know exactly, but we just take that out of the equation. And then we allowed also for, for things that vary over time at the national level to take into account national lockdown policies, right? And then essentially we, we, we try to, to figure out what is happening in border regions compared to non-border regions after the closure of a border, okay? And of course, a key point here is that you have data before and after the introduction of border controls. This is what we have, and then essentially we, we, we use a method called a, a PPML method, and this is sort of our, our first approach. It leaves a host of questions still open, and may, maybe Matthias can say something about all the, the other issues that are then still there, and, and that this, this PPML method cannot really deal with. It's a very complicated setting before, so we have a spatial domain, so to speak, where the pandemic spreads over space, and of course we have this dynamic over time, and we want to analyze both simultaneously. And this is something related, which goes back to the 1970s, to early work of Julian Bizarre on the conditional autoregressive spatial model, where he assumes something like nearby things are more related than faraway things. So, and this is true for an epidemic or a pandemic as well. So if you have a location, then of course nearby locations are more affected to be more similar to this number of cases than faraway cases because of a human spread of the disease and more mobility. And so we want to have something which gives us a clear picture of the temporal domain, so the time effect, and at the same time, this spatial effect over all these 20, uh, 230 interrelated nations or units, so that's two areas. And for this reason, we approach this, which is called an INLA integratedness to Laplace approximation, which just is something like a decomposition of this very complicated spatial structure into more smaller things. And this is by doing this very fast. So it's just something like a modern spatial or Bayesian approach which is computationally very efficient by decomposing this very complicated thing into smaller things, which can then be easily be calculated. So the main finding is, actually I, I have to stress that, it's really against at least my own prior, right? The main finding is that these border controls did help to reduce the spread of the disease. And in our, using our first approach, um, we um, find 25% less new cases after closure or a control uh, introduction of, uh, of border controls, right? We thought ourselves, okay, that might be a little bit on the high side, right? Because um, there are so many other measures that have been introduced simultaneously, right? Um, that um, maybe we somehow slightly over um, overestimate with our approach the the impact of these border controls right so this is why we thought okay maybe maybe there is something there clearly is something going on here right there is an effect but um, let's use a more sophisticated approach that as as Matthias said is able to deal with this spatial temporal nature of, 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 of the data right and then when we use this as Matthias can can explain we do still find um, substantial effects, but they, they are somewhat smaller. We look at the output, what we get from the inlet approach. So what we see is that we, of course, see a huge spatial variation, which is 
captured by the model, but there are still some things in space which are not captured well yet. So there's something like a random effect which we cannot really explain, which is something like a surrogate of something which really matters in the spatial domain, but it's not captured yet well. So we have not included this in our model. So this means there might be some alternative things which are important, but under a Ceteris Paribus assumption, our model really claims that, or uh, underlines that a 6% reduction of the daily cases over the complete period can be achieved by border closing procedures. So this is a very nice um, result in the end, but of course we have to improve this by adding more information on some unobserved spatial heterogeneity into the model. So first of all, yes, we do find that border, border controls are to, to limit the spread of the disease. Um, but we also see that it's very important to really properly take into account uh, everything else that, that, that people try, that, that governments um, actually try to, to contain the, the disease. And that seems to be very, very important to properly control for this. And if you do that, the effect of the border controls really shrinks. It doesn't disappear, though. Um, secondly, what we find is that these controls actually seem to matter in regions that previously, before any controls were introduced, had a lot of commuting flows, which is not entirely surprising, right? It's also reassuring that it somehow makes sense what we're doing, right? So we, we do not find any effect if you just look at border versus non-border region. We do find these effects only when we compare border regions with a lot of commuting flows uh, previously to other regions, okay? So that's another thing. And we also see that these, these effects seem to be local, right? That's sort of also an implication, but it's, that's a bit tricky, right? To, to really say something, at least this is somehow, you know, my intuition that, you know, what we find are uh, local effects. I think one, one main finding or what main indicator of the study is that we have shown in some sense that it really matters to control for space. So if you have something like a German border, then of course the counts at the German border are closely related to the counts in the French nearby nations or regions. So there is some kind of a spread of disease which is not limited to only Germany. So you have a spread which is across the nations. And so in this case, you really have to control for the spatial arrangement of the counts to get a clearer representation of what is really going on. Because we go back to what is called Toppler's law of forest geography, which is nearby things are more closely than far away things. This is all what it is all about. So you really have to control for the spatial nature of the data to get a real good impression of what is really going on at the end. And this is one main um, contribution of these, what we have shown, I think.